Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Chalk Talk, the Doug Farrar Football Podcast. As always, sponsored by WalterFootball.com and Liscow Consulting. WalterFootball.com is proud to be a sponsor of Chalk Talk, the Doug Farrar Football Podcast. For more draft information, including NFL mock drafts updated weekly, draft stock reports, fantasy football rankings, NFL picks, and much more, check out WalterFootball.com and by Liscow Consulting, LLC, a patron of the football arts. Uh, another patron of the football arts that we're very happy to have on the pod today is Stephen White, uh, former NFL defensive lineman and now an esteemed contributor for SB Nation. And I first became aware of Stephen's work uh, on SB Nation uh, through Twitter and enjoying his very detailed and very intelligent breakdowns, plus the fact that he's the only guy I've ever seen who would put up screen caps, and he's the only guy I knew who, who would put, like, WTF on the screen caps, and I thought to myself, boy, someone should have done that before. So he's, uh, <laughs> he, he's, not a, he's not a man afraid to speak his mind. He, uh, he played for the, uh, drafted in the sixth round by the Buccaneers in 1996 out of Tennessee, played through 2001 with the Bucks. These are the, you know, the Simeon Rice, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Bucks, so he knows what he's talking about. Um, and Stephen, first of all, welcome. And we're going to go through some defensive tackles, defensive ends, edge rushers, and get your thoughts on a lot of these guys, uh, some of whom you've written about um, on the site. But I wanted to start with one technique question that came up to me as I'm doing the SI64 and our top 300 that we're releasing later this month on SI. And over and over and over, every, I mean, from tackle to end to multi-position to edge rusher, and, and we discussed this a little bit on Twitter, I, I kept making the same note except for a couple of guys. Doesn't know how to use his hands. Doesn't use his hands in a versatile way. You know, he's got an embryonic rip move, but he doesn't use swim, club, hump. And I wanted to get, and I've, I've talked to people about this a, a little bit, but I wanted to get your sense of why are advanced hand moves not taught at the college level? Because you see this more and more, it seems, every year as these guys come out, and I don't know if I'm noticing it more, or it's just more graphic, but, but what are your thoughts? Because you were, you know, you, you've made that adjustment too, and I know you see it, and why do you think that is? Well, from my experience, the truth of the matter is there's just not that many good defensive line coaches on the college level. Uh, a lot of these guys that are coaching defensive line don't really even know anything about the position they're just good recruiters, and coach needs good recruiters, of course, because you got to have the Jimmys and Joes for your X's and O's to work. So you find a place for that guy, this real good recruiter, to coach. And you hope that along the way he learns how to coach defensive line, but it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, uh, you got the Missouri defensive line coach. You got Ed Ogeron. Uh, you have some guys sprinkle around my old defensive line coaches are actually still coaching as a matter of fact uh, uh, one of the Arkansas State uh, I think uh, one of them might be at Clemson right now but it's few and far in between the the coaches that can really coach defensive line on the college level and I'll tell you another reason why too is because when the NFL coaches 
find a team that, that pass rushes well and uses their hands well, they try to get that guy from the college ranks too. But so they stand out that herd as well. So the best defensive line coaches usually they don't stay on the college level long anyway. I, I had myself like three different defensive line coaches before I eventually got to Dan Brooks because those guys ended up all going to the pros. Some of them had come from the pros to coach at Tennessee, like Ray Hamilton, but you had other guys that, you know, had been college coaches, came to Tennessee, did a good job there, and then also they springboarded to the NFL. So the combination of those two things, the fact that recruiting is prioritized over, uh, 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 I would say, coaching knowledge on a college level and the fact that the NFL is always scooping up the best defensive line coaches to bring them to the pros anyway. Those two things conspire to have a lot of these kids coming out, even if they played two or three years looking very, very raw with their hands. Yeah, I mean, I think another aspect of it is that, uh, say you're Shane Ray, and uh, eight of the 13 left tackles you're going against Eight of them are not going to make it in the NFL, and a lot of these guys. You're, you're. I mean, you're Shane Race. So your your first step is ridiculous. You're you're so quick to the pocket. You can run around a lot of guys in college, and you can't do that in the NFL. So I think it's also a sense of kind of why would we teach this when we have a guy who can just run around people? That too. Uh, you know, they say if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah. So if a guy's Getting there, and he's doing everything he needs to do, even without the the uh, the excellent technique. Then you know you couldn't. That, that's the time you can use doing something else. The, the time you normally would use doing drill work and stuff like that, you can be doing something else. People and they got the twenty hour rule now, and I think that does kind of uh, uh, curtail some of the stuff they can do. I was actually a, a graduate assistant for a season here at USF, and I saw. Uh, because I was a big proponent of the 20-hour rule, but being on the other side of the fence, I did see how that could kind of cut down on the things you can do that you wanted to do uh, during the week. You wouldn't really be able to do all of it. So you have to prioritize what you're going to teach. Uh, are you going to teach the new game plan? Are you going to get the plays in? Or are you going to do drill work? And if you have a bunch of guys that are just great athletes, you can cut down on the drill work and move on to something else. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting adaptation for a lot of these kids. Uh, second question I wanted to ask you before we get to individual players, um, and we're going to talk about a lot of multi-gap guys, starting with Leonard Williams of USC and working our way down. Is it? Do you think it's more important in today's NFL to be disruptive and productive from multiple gaps, or say from 15 years ago, or is it just that we're noticing it more? Um, I'd say it's more uh, of a priority now. It's more, it it, it definitely helps you a lot more now because I think before, like the the, the NFL has gone through these transitions where uh, everybody was either a 3-4 at one point or everybody's like a 4-3 at another point. Now, you almost have a blending of the two. I don't even know if there's very many true Three, four, or four, three defenses anymore. Right. Both styles of defense incorporate guys that can do kind of both. And so, if you have a guy like a Leonard Williams who can two gap if you need him to, or possibly could play in the gap, you know, upfield rushing in a four, three, then that just adds to his, uh, 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 I would say, stock, so to speak. 
think because now he can fit in any kind of defense you want him to play in. Uh, before, you know, you had four, three guys, and you had three, four guys. Now it's kind of good to have those guys that can do both. Yeah. Well, let's start. Uh, we're going to start with the men in the middle, you know, ostensibly, because a lot of these guys will move outside for, you know, inside and outside for different packages. Leonard Williams, defensive tackle, USC. And I'll just I'll throw you a few of my scouting notes and then get your thoughts. Um, effective everywhere from five in to no five tech to nose. Uh, seems to be truly scheme transcendent. He can destroy scraper who diagnoses very well through trash. Good rip move. Full height extension. Uh, base strength, the good bull rush. Um, I, you know, I don't see him as a world beater. I think he comes off the snap a hair slow and needs to catch up at times. Um, the gap shooting is a bit of an issue. He's not always as immediate and explosive as one might expect. Um, I, you know, we do these player comparisons, and I don't know if you think they're silly or not. We, you know, we sort of have to do them. I see him as kind of a maybe a Kevin Williams at his best. I don't know that he's a world beater, but I'll tell you this. If Ray Horton got a hold of him in Tennessee, I think he could unleash hell. Because Horton's going to, I mean, Horton would, you know, like he'd, he'd take a guy like Lamar Houston and put him up as a 300-pound hand-off-the-ground edge rusher. Um, and some right. guys are more creative. I think the more creative you are with Leonard Williams, the better off you're going to be. But if you just say, oh, he's going to be a three-tech and he's going to move outside to five on passing downs, I don't know that you'll ever get everything out of him. Right, and, and that's the tricky thing, of course, where these guys end up. Even the most talented guys kind of need a scheme that caters to what they do or at least a creative defense coordinator that can put them in position to thrive. Uh, I agree with pretty much everything you said about Leonard Williams. I think we haven't seen what he can do when he's in a gap because they played so much of the two-gapping scheme. I'm not sure he was totally comfortable with trying to get off the ball. Those few times they were kicking inside on, you know, third down, passing down, stuff like that. Uh, so I'm not sure about that. I'm not really sure about it. You know, obviously you have to see it. Before you can say, well, this guy can do that, I'm not going to assume that he can do it. But but I kind of feel like he's he's a good enough athlete that he can work on his get-off and stuff if he was to be in an upfield-style defense. Now, the one thing that I really loved about this kid was he actually has a signature move already. Uh, that arm over inside that he has, yep. it, uh, very few people have blocked it that I saw on film. Now, on the other hand, uh, my, my concern is that you didn't really see him try to come around uh, the corner, whether it was from defensive tackle or outside as a defensive end. You really didn't see him try to go around the edge much. Right. And you're going to have to do that as a pro because now everybody's big and strong. Probably still not big and strong as big and strong as he is, but you can't run through a guy you know, 20, 30 times a game trying to get pressure. And Donald Connor Sue is like the guy that can do it, but even he, he probably would be better off if he had a little bit more finesse to his game as well. So I'm hoping that he can develop going around the corner a little bit. Again, I don't know if that was scheme-specific. Maybe they don't want him trying to rush the edge much, but I think he's going to have to learn how to do that as a pro. Where do you, as far as his base position, um, four three three four end tackle, whatever, what do you think is his best base position? You know what? I think if if there's a three four that's not uh, static, meaning they don't just line up in three four, and like I said, there's not many teams that do that much anyway now. But if you put in that five technique, I think 
you see him as like Kevin Williams. I'm trying to see him more. Uh, 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 um, what's the guy that played for the Patriots for a long time? Richard Seymour. I'm seeing a little bit more Richard Seymour, maybe mm. with a little bit better motor, because we both know Richard Seymour when he turned it on was a terror. And if you get him in a scheme where he doesn't have to be static, he doesn't have to just stay in one place all the time, but it's primarily a five technique, I think he helps any defense you put him on. Now, he could play three technique as well, I, 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 I believe, but I kind of have this thing against putting really tall guys, like six, five guys inside. So I'd rather see him at defensive tackle. I think that's a more natural fit for him. Yeah. Um, moving on to Danny Shelton from Washington, and I'm from Seattle, so I'm, I'm probably a little more familiar with this guy. Went to his pro day, saw the lava lava and all that stuff. Um, he's, you know, I, I think his pass rush ability is a bit overstated, but the two things I love about him, um, number one, I've seen him play one and two gap, and number two, I mean, he played over 80% of his snaps, which for a guy his size, you know, 6'2", 336, is kind of incredible. And he would get a little high in his stance, he'd get a little tired, he'd get a little bit more blockable as the game went on. But he, you know, you saw quality reps through most of the game. But this is another guy, I mean, one of my notes was, uh, blockers who engage Shelton can do so because he feels to consistently use rip and swim moves to get free, tends to wrestle and dance too much as opposed to using his hands to push through a block. The, you know, six of his nine sacks... Uh, it, like, came against, what, Hawaii and Eastern Washington. Uh, I don't know that he's a sack guy in the NFL, um, and I'm always hesitant to compare a college guy to a future Hall of Famer, but, I, you know, maybe Vince Wilfork, or the more I thought about it, and I heard a couple people mention this, as kind of a Brandon Williams, a kid in Baltimore, who is essentially replacing Nada. I'm not going to compare Danny Shelton to Haloti Nada, because Shelton's just not that quick. <laughs> but I see him as, you know, if you've got I mean, a Belichick type thing where you're shooting one gap and two gap, and sometimes at this, you know, that that over front he uses with the one and two at the same time, and he'll put Will Fork as the two in the middle and kind of have him be mm-hmm. that main guy. I could totally see him do that. What are your thoughts on Shelton? You know, it, it's hard to get a good feel for Danny Shelton because sometimes he does things that you just don't think he should be able to do. Like I, I'm seeing him run from zero nose and make a play out near the sideline. Yep. That's not supposed to happen with a guy that runs a 5-3. <laughs> and so if you see his, his numbers, and they don't kind of add up to what you're looking at on the field because he plays much better than, you know, you think a 5-3 is some big slow guy. No, he's not. And like you said, he plays a whole lot of snaps. And maybe he's not, you know, 100 miles an hour by the fourth quarter, but he is still running all over the field. From inside the nose, it's hard to get guys that can do that in his size. And so that along, his motor is one of the most impressive things to me. That along with the fact that he's as strong as an ox. You know, he, he, it, it, very few times I see anybody knock him back. Uh, but at the same time, I saw exactly what you what you were talking about, wrestling with guys too much. One player in particular stood out for me. I can't remember the team he was playing against. But he took the guard. And literally, like, power slams him yep. on the ground on his back. And the ball ran right by him. <laughs> like, like, he could have made the play all day long, but he was too busy trying to dominate the guard. And that's cool and all, but we, he gets paid to make plays. So I think sometimes, like you said, he kind of gets a little bit too uh, uh, engrossed in trying to physically dominate the offensive line rather than make plays. But 
he, every time I look at I mean, he made a play on the goal line. I'm like, how does this dude just find a way on the goal line where, you know, you can't, almost can't even have technique down there because everybody's so low. He found a way to stand up the guard, go inside, and still make the play before the running back to score. So uh, he's a guy I'm usually against uh, uh, taking a true nose tackle in the first round. And I, I really can't see him as a three technique, even with, like you said, those sacks. Six of them coming in one guy. I think he had nine on the year. Um, he's a good bull rusher, and I think he could get some good pressure on play action pass. But I think you're going to have to take him out on third down or any passing downs or what have you. So he's a true nose tackle, but I would actually take this kid in the first round without a doubt and wouldn't think twice about it. Yeah, and I think technique-wise, a little bit schematically, there, I think there's quickness in him that hasn't been discovered. And I could see, I mean – we talked about multi-gap guys. I, I don't think Washington ever did this, but you know that uh, Red Bryant package that the Seahawks had a while back when they had Red on the team and he was the, the ginormous five-tech, the kind of the run-stopping mm-hmm. uh, end? I could see him anywhere from straight over nose to one-tech shade, um, maybe like a head over three in certain, like a, a heavy package. And, you know, I, I, I don't think there's a place you put him that he's not going to be somehow disruptive I just think he needs to be coached up to do it. Absolutely. He, he's going to have to learn some of the other stuff. He knows how to wrestle and throw people around. That's, yeah. that's without a doubt. Some of the little nuanced stuff, like reading the stands, knowing how to kind of play uh, when they try that um, cut scoop where the center is going up to the linebacker and the backside guy is going to cut you. Some of those kind of things I think he's going to need to have to work on and, and, and playing cut blocks and stuff like that. Because people are not going to just let him keep running over them. They're going to start cutting him all day long. Yep. Uh, I think he, he not for a guy his size, he should be better at I think. He's not a real tall guy anyway. I think he should be better at playing cut blocks. There's flares to me, some lateral quickness on some of his moves, but it could stand to do a little bit better there as well. So he definitely has some technique stuff to work on. But when you have a guy, you know, with his kind of film, you, you just kind of feel like it shouldn't be too hard to coach, coach him up on that stuff. No. I'll tell you where I'd love to see him go, and seven is a real high pick for a nose. But if you put him on that Bears defense with Vic Fangio in charge, watch the hell out. That's all i got to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's kind of it's a weird thing because kind of you, you look at places where some of these guys will fit perfectly but they're not in the range where you feel like they're not going to pick on that high, right? <laughs> but it would be great to see him do that, and I think it would be great for the Bears because they are transitioning to two or three or four. And from my perspective, I don't think they have a whole lot of guys that actually fit a three or four right now. No, they don't. Well, Jared Allen, I mean, I love the Prunell McPhee, uh, and this is a separate subject, but I love the, the McPhee pick because Vic runs that base front, it's you know it's kind of a hybrid, and then he has guys moving around, and, and I can see McPhee kind of playing that Ahmad Brooks role where he comes in from everywhere. And but the but the thing they need is kind of that root dude, and I think Shelton could be it. Right, um, exactly. Moving on to Malcolm Brown, defensive tackle from Texas, and uh, kind of a bowling ball, six two three nineteen, shoots gaps well for his size. I th- and this is another guy where I'm just I'm not you know. And he, to me, was, it was not so much the speed that I saw lacking with the technique. It was more the power and just the – I would see him start to get in and start to make these moves, and then he wouldn't. Um, what does the tape tell you about Malcolm Brown? Uh, 
um, and I actually to ask you a question from before, I do the same thing as far as looking at who guys kind of remind me of. So uh, I definitely appreciate that when y'all do those breakdowns as well. Because a lot of times I see the same things and I see the same guy. Kind of, with Malcolm Brown, and I'm not saying he's going to be this guy, I kind of see Dana Stubblefield. That Ooh. really thick, uh, lower body, not as strong up body-wise as uh, Stubblefield, but he's got such a powerful base and such a strong base, it's still hard to move him. Like, he doesn't control guys with his hands good enough, in my opinion, but if he gets some upper body strength to go with his lower body strength, it, it's hard to get that guy moved. And so, it's gonna, once again, it's going to depend on where he goes, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't really see him as a three technique. I think he could do it. I think he could do it in like uh, one of those Jack Del Rio schemes where even though it's a four-three, they have two big guys in there fogging up the lane. Uh, but I'm not sure about his quick twitch enough to be like a half or two type three technique. But he's a big dude, man. I just I'm kind of like you. I, I kind of expected him to be a little bit more dominant at the point of attack. But I think once he gets that upper body to catch him with his lower body, he'll be okay. Is he a, kind of a Terrence Knighton, you think? Yes. Yes, definitely. Uh, I can see those kind of parallels. Maybe a little bit more potential to be uh, a, a pass rusher than than, than, than Knighton. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know that Knighton ever wanted to be there. He was always the big one stuffer, yeah. which is why they call him pot roast, of course. But I think maybe there's some a little bit more potential for, for Malcolm Brown if he gets coached up. Those lazy hands, man, again, that's coaching. When you see that on film as a coach, you're supposed to fix that. And Malcolm Brown was there plenty enough time for them to have gotten his, his hands a lot better than they were. It's just lazy, just weren't finishing moves, like you said. Yeah. Um, Eric Armstead from Oregon, and this is one of these guys, uh, I remember when Deion Jordan came out, and nobody quite knew where to put him, and I think the Dolphins still don't. Uh, Deion Jordan also. <laughs> and I guess maybe Armstead is kind of Jordan's replacement as the, you know, people talk about jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and the joker position, and we value right. scheme versatility, and blah, blah, blah. Um, the, you know, his size, his, his physical, I mean, he's a freak. He can do everything. Um, I think if you if you part him out and prorate it and say yes, he's going to succeed in the NFL. I think Calais Campbell is the obvious comparison. But um, as a guy who you've been doing this for a long time, you just went old school with me on Dana Stubblefield, which was cool. Um, you've seen a lot of these guys come down the pike when you were playing. I'm sure before you played in the NFL and after the athletic freaks without a position. Um, is he that guy, or does he have a transferable skill to a role or multiple roles that's easy to see? It's hard to project Eric Armstead. He's 6'7", which means he's probably going to have to play outside somewhere. Yeah. I'm not sure they could play a defensive end in a 4-3 where they're going to ask that guy to you know kind of come off the edge and be a speed rusher. I'm not sure if his technique is up to par for that. Uh, at the same time, I just think he's too tall to play inside in the NFL. He, he's going to play high. He's a strong guy, but he still needs to work on his leverage. And when I'm thinking of uh, these guys, and I'm doing these write-ups, the thing I always try to look for is what are they special at? Yeah. Because 
the very top guys are always special in at least one thing. There's at least one thing they can hang their hat on. Uh, other than Eric Armstead just being big, which he is. I mean, he looks the part. You know, he's an all-bus team. You want him to get off the bus first when you pull up to the, to the stadium. But I'm not sure he's special at any one thing. I'm not even sure he's special with his power because a lot of times he doesn't get full extension with his arm. So I, I just don't know about this kid. For me, I'm not saying he's a potential bust, but it's definitely going to come down to which team takes him and how they use him. Because, he, he like you say, he's not one of those uh, 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 jack of all trades as far as being able to just put him anywhere. You're going to have to find a place for this kid and then teach him how to play that position. I think that might be the Deion George problem with the Dolphins, really. Give him one thing to do. When a guy is struggling like that, give him one thing to do and then build off that base foundation. I see him as a five technique and a 3-4, Eric Armstead that is, but I think it still remains to be seen if he's going to thrive or just be okay. I think he'll be okay wherever he goes. He'll be an okay guy. But you don't draft a guy in the first round and just be okay. Yeah. Well, I, I keep going back to what the Seahawks did with Bruce Irvin, where they drafted him as a defensive end and this is a 240-pound kid who could run like hell but had no inside counter and no hand moves at all. And after two years, of, oh, let's make him a linebacker. Because and you're you're sort of letting the tail wag the dog in that sense, and I agree completely. If you if you have an Armstead, a Deion Jordan, a Bruce Irvin uh, on offense, a Percy Harvin, just a sort of you know non-positional athletic freak, you would better have a plan for this guy, or he's just going to be hogging a very expensive roster spot. Yes, definitely. Um, we talked a little bit about Eddie Goldman from Florida State, and I think uh, judging from what you said, I think it's safe to say we both expected more. And this is a guy who, I mean, he can play run-stopping in, he can two-gap to either side, he can do one techno shade pretty effectively. When he comes off the snap quickly, he can blow stuff up. The problem I have with him, he's, as I wrote, too much time middling around the line when he moves late off the snap, meets blocks too high in his stance. Doesn't use his leverage with a low set. Can be enveloped by double teams. This is a big-ass dude, 6'4", 336. You, I think I expected him to dominate more than he did, given his skill set and his size, and the fact that he'd been, you know, coached in a major program. Although that doesn't always mean what we think it means. What are your thoughts? I, I, I couldn't say the better myself. I just expected more. Uh, it's just maybe sometimes guys get hyped up a little bit, and if you have them watch them already, it's hard to kind of avoid all the chatter. And so you hear people talking them up, and then you look, and, and I won't say it's his fault that, that you're disappointed, but you're disappointed. You're like, okay, where is all this stuff y'all were talking about? Because I just don't see it. I, he's a very big guy. Uh, <laughs> he's, got, he's got bow legs, which I always say either if you got a bow-legged kid, either he's, you're never going to be able to take him off his feet, or he's going to be falling all over the place. And with Eddie Goldman, it's hard to, to, to knock him anywhere, but he doesn't go anywhere either. It's like, he, he's just standing there. He, he's not going to make very many plays. Uh, he, he's not doing much of anything except just being big and standing there. I, I, I was waiting to see some flash, and I just didn't see it. He's a big kid, played at Florida State. Obviously, that defense was very stout. He was a part of that. But again, what does he do particularly well? I'm not sure. I, I, 
he's a he's a nose tackle. I, I don't see any you know way he's going to be a three technique ever. Obviously, he's huge, but even as a nose tackle, man, he just you know, we got guys like if you watch him right after you watch Danny Shelton, you might not think this guy even is draftable because it's that much of a difference between their film. Well, the guy I compared him to was Sean Rogers, and. It, I mean, I could see a career arc like this where Sean Rogers, I mean, he was sort of productive in Detroit. And then he had that one year in Cleveland where he just blew up. And it was like he was in the right position. He was a two-gap nose. Um, he could slide off to either side, which I've seen Goldman do too. But if we're talking about the best, you know, the greatest players, and especially at that position, if you want to be taken in the top half of the first round, you've got to be scheme transcendent. And I, there's a difference, and he, to me, illustrates the difference between I can play a lot of places and I'm scheme transcendent, which is I can play a lot of places and wherever I go, I'm just wrecking stuff. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, but, again, <laughs> we, we agree too much. I don't know. I disagree with something. Well, but, but, but we found over the years, you know, over, over the course of, you know, a couple of years or so, we've been following each other on Twitter. That's one of the cool things about it. Well, I try and get as many guests who will agree with me as much as possible. <laughs> that's, that's, no that's my key to success. Let's let's. Uh, do you have any other uh, before we move to ends? Do you have any other defensive tackles you want to talk up, either good or bad, that really stood out to you? Um, the Carl Davis kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we used to have a saying. My my my, uh, my linebacker coach at first, and then ended up being. Uh, my defensive coordinator, Coach Chavis, who's now with Texas A&M, he said you have to grab some hot pokers for <laughs> <laughs> some guys because they just don't give enough effort. And I'm seeing this dude, Carl Davis, he's got so much ability and so much potential. But, again, I've I, I, I watched Danny Shelton run sideline to sideline from nose tackles, and then I see this dude, I mean, if that ball gets outside the tackle box, he is shutting it down. <laughs> like he's, he's saving himself for the next play immediately, and so I, I feel like if he goes to a team where you know they got the right defensive line coach to get some hot pokers and, and put them in places that they're not supposed to be, and get him going with with the motor, I mean I think that dude has a a, a chance to be a little bit transcendent on the defensive line because he's a big dude that can move. I mean he's he's every once in a while you see those lateral moves he makes for a pass rush because evidently he's one of those really big dudes who thinks he's about 250 pounds and is a pass rusher. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting. He's an interesting guy for me. I want to kind of follow him. Uh, he almost reminds me of the big kid that Atlanta took in the second round last year, Rasheed Hegeman. Oh, yeah. Even though Carl Davis has played more than Hegeman. But just, you know, you see all this potential, but it's like, uh I don't know about this kid, you know, when you're lazy in college, usually that light bulb doesn't come on in the NFL. Yeah, I remember watching, I was remember writing Hageman up last year, like, great play, great play, lazy play. And it was like, for every three great plays, it was like, are, are you, do you know that there's a game going on right now? This isn't a timeout. <laughs> <laughs> you All actually right. have to play now. <laughs> and, I mean, but it's it's hard, and I I, I know there are cases where this happens, but like you just said, if you're not an effort guy in college, like, oh, we're going to give you, you know, a number of millions of dollars over a, a number of years, and we expect your effort to improve. 
uh, okay. Well, maybe maybe, maybe that carrot right. stick works, uh, but I don't know. Moving to defensive ends, and one guy who I know you just wrote him up, uh, and a guy that whose effort you do not question, whose motor you do not question, and I think uh, outside of Randy Gregory, Shane Ray from Missouri might be the quickest guy to the quarterback in this class. I know you just wrote him up, and I know you you like a lot of things about him, so I'll just let you go. Even Pitt, um, uh, how can I put this? He's a hot-putting topic amongst us guys that, that kind of break down film. I think for a lot of people, they see him as too reliant on the speed rush and feeling like he's not going to be able to do that in college. And so once he can't do that in college now, you know, he's not very, I won't say he's not good against the run, he's just not, very dominant and taking on blocks. He, he's decent as far as making plays from the backside and stuff like that. But as far as taking on a block, shedding a block, and making a play, he's not real good at that either. He's, he's about average, I would say. Maybe a little bit above average, but not much. Uh, but the thing about me, when I look at a pass rusher, the one thing I'm looking for is to see all those moves going to transition well to the NFL. Uh-huh. And to me, Shane Ray definitely does. This guy gets the details of the move, turning his hips, turning his toe towards the quarterback, getting low, ripping through. And I'm watching him do this against uh, Florida's left tackle, and and I I like that kid a lot. Yep. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but he's going to be a first and second rounder as far as a uh, offensive tackle, and he abused him a couple of times. DJ Humphrey, so, really really athletic kid. Yeah. Right, exactly, and, and you can't you can't fake that. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. I've seen Humphrey block too many other guys who are the top-notch defensive ends that when I see him not be able to handle Shane Ray on those couple plays, that tells me the kid is legit. And like I said, the details of his rush, you look at it, those things are going to transition well to the NFL. My only question is, uh, what position is he going to play? Because he's still light. At 245, I don't think he's a would be an outside linebacker in a 3-4 unless it's you know kind of like the Chiefs where it, there's only they're only basically outside linebackers. The name most of the time they're going to be rushing. I call them. I think that's a perfect guys, type scheme for them. Yeah, I call those guys in backers. Right, basically. Um, but and so it all depends. And even at defensive end in a 4-3, 245 is just too light. And like I said, his run defense. The technique needs some work there, work there too, but everybody needs pass rush. Everybody. So you'll find a way to get a nickel package ready for this kid, and he come right in and play right away. And while he's trying to gain that weight and get up to being a full time player, so I think the future is very bright for him. His motor is outstanding, and, and like I said in the piece, I'm always reluctant to talk about a guy's motor because I'm just I was I was taught both in Tennessee and in the NFL by Rod Marinelli, all about effort. Like, he wasn't going to coach effort. He was going to run hard or he wasn't playing. You won't be on the team. So I expect a high level of, of hustle and all those good things. So when a guy impresses me with their motor, they're saying something. And this kid stands out on film and how he runs to the ball every single play. 
I'll tell you one thing I liked about him and one thing I didn't. Um, the thing I liked about him, I think that I think the thing that portends well to his upper body strength is that he's really good at resetting after he's blocked. And a lot of these speed guys don't do that. I mean, he'll get he'll get you know some guy will just stab him with his arms, and he'll figure something out. It'll be kind of like a fake inside counter, or he'll just dip and rip, but he'll keep going and. You know, I didn't see Deion Jordan do that. I didn't see Bruce Irvin do that. Once he was blocked, he kind of stayed blocked. And I think I think Ray um, does that really well, which is going to help. And uh, well, it's what I wrote. Uses a rip and swim move occasionally, but he you know unstoppable when he coordinates his speed with technique. But he gets too high in his stance, he loses leverage. And you know, when I think of that dip and rip, I always think of Demarcus Ware. I think if he gets that, and I didn't see enough of it, he could be lethal. Yeah, and then uh, the Marcus Ware was, it was and is still great at that. Um, with Shane Ray is more a rip, uh, you know, he's most mostly just turning his and ripping through the block rather than actually dip and ripping, and which, as you said, would help him. It's kind of weird about all of these Missouri ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go back to Michael Sam last year and the other kids that end up going to the Panthers as well. These kids can pass rush on the college level, but they all seem to be kind of stiff in the hips and aren't really necessarily knee benders. Uh, but, but they're effective. So it's weird. I, I watched Marcus Golden, and Marcus Golden might as well be Michael Sam, just a little bit taller and a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. But real good pass rush moves, stiff as a board. Uh, uh, Shane Ray, stiff as a board, but man, this kid is fast. Has learned some good pass rush moves and uses them effectively. And I, I once again, I mentioned Missouri's uh, uh, defensive line coach before. I think that guy is phenomenal. I, I do kind of feel like Shane Ray as a pass rusher isn't far from his peak, but but I still like what the kid can do right now when he transitions to the NFL. Just because, like I said, the little details of his. His, his pass rush game are so good. He, he still needs to learn those athletic parts of it, like the different rip. The different rip, a lot of people don't understand, you have to be very athletic to do that. Yep. Because you have to bend your knees while somebody is about to engage you to get the dip in. And a lot of guys, just they just can't do it. They, they come out of stance high, and then they, they try to you know lean over and get the dip, and they're all balanced. I think he'll be able to do it. But it's going to take him some time to kind of learn how to do that. Well, I remember uh, watch, uh, we saw Clowney do this at his pro day, and I saw Halawi Kikaha do it at Washington's pro day just now, and he did it pretty well for a guy with two knee surgeries that uh, where they put the circle around, they have to run around the circle, and you can kind of see how quickly they can get low and get to the side and still run. It, you know, like you said, it's a hard thing to do. Um, one of my favorite lines uh, in your uh, draft breakdowns this year, and you have a lot of favorite lines, um, was about Randy Gregory where you uh, posed the question, does he have enough ass to whoop ass? And at 6'5", 235, I think it's a valid question. Obviously, freakish, just ungodly speed. But I don't know. You tell me, how is an NFL team, without putting weight on and losing some of that speed, how is an NFL team going to prevent him from drying up and blowing away? I honestly don't know. Um, I, I just, he, he's a guy who I, I like a lot, 
But at the same time, I'm just old school that way. I like for guys to have more pass rush moves than I thought from them. And I like them to be consistent with it. And so if he gets to where he's a, a technician with his hands, then I think he has a chance. If he gets gained 15, 20 more pounds to be a an excellent uh, edge rusher, whether it's in a 3-4 uh, as an outside linebacker or as a, a true defensive end. But he's going to have to get so much better with his technique then again, it's going to come down to where he goes. Because if he goes to a team where that defensive line coach isn't really harping on the details, just kind of lets you go and rush, he's going to struggle. And it, it, it's going to be an epic struggle. One of those where we talk about one of the biggest busts in the draft depends on how he goes. But if he gets with a good defensive line coach and he work technique every day, even though it's hard now with the new CBA and all those rules, if he works technique a lot, then he can get away with it. But it, when you're small, man, you can't have your hands be all over the place and stuff like that. You can't miss the punch when the offensive line tries to punch you or you get knocked on your ass. Yeah. So just speaking as honestly as I can say it, the kid scares me. But, look, he's got all the physical tools you need to be successful as an NFL edge rusher. You're just going to have to polish everything up. Uh, Alvin Bud Dupree, and every time I hear Bud, I wrote it, Kenny and the Cosby Show, Bud. Um, Alvin Dupree from Kentucky, 6'4", 269, really got on the map when he ran a 4'5", 640 at the Combine. And, I, I, you know, the position and the size and the speed would lead you to believe, oh, straight pass rusher. But I'm watching his Kentucky tape, and I'm like, okay, he, uh, everywhere from outside linebacker to pass rushing linebacker to situational end with his hand on the ground. But... They had him covering slot. They had him covering flex tight ends, and he did it pretty well. And I don't think he – I mean, the guy I compared him to was Akeem Ayers. I don't think he's a true pass rusher. I think he's a weak side linebacker who can move out to slot. And I think in today's NFL, where teams are running 60 to 80% nickel and three wide is the base offensive package, I think he's more valuable and rarer in this – you know, maybe him and Shaq Thompson are the two guys – but I think you, you, okay, the pass rush is incidental, that's cool. But I think if you put him in that role where he's more a second-level guy and can come up in certain packages, I think that's where his true value is, is more in his versatility. Um, I think there's something to that. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the Patriots linebacker, the young guy, second-year guy last year, the very athletic in a play inside linebacker for them. Oh, for God's uh, sake, I just I know exactly who you're talking about. I'm gonna look right now. I just forgot his name. The, the guy right. <laughs> We both it's the guy who replaced Gerard Mayo and oh my god, I, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I'm gonna edit this out. Well let let's talk about Dupree and I'll get the name. <laughs> right. Well to me Dupree reminds me a lot of him. Just a physical freak. Uh, he not only ran fast, jumped high uh, did everything change directions, all that good stuff. If you look just at his combine numbers, he looked like the top pick in the draft. I mean, he's got the size. He's already NFL you know, weight wise. He's got the 260 pounds, 64, and then he's doing all these things that some of these guys smaller than him can't do. Running faster times, jumping higher, all that good stuff. But as you said, you look on the film and you're like, okay. Now, some of that outfit was Kentucky just getting too cute. Yeah. I think they kind of maybe tried to move him around a little bit too much 
uh, 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 and then he became that jack of all trade and a master of none. But the thing that's good about that is he's had a lot of experience dropping. Yeah. So if you are one of those three, four teams that needs a well-rounded outside linebacker, a guy that can drop some, a guy that can rush some, then he's your man. Jamie but Collins, by the way. I don't think he, Huh? Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins. Yeah. Absolutely. Jamie Collins. But if you're expecting him to be a full-time uh, uh, pass rusher right off the bat, he's going to need a lot of work. I think, you know, once again, you get him on a team where you have a coach that's very creative, uh, gives him some opportunities to maybe play linebacker all over the place, some inside, some outside, some lining up uh, uh, on the line of scrimmage outside the offensive tackle. That's probably going to be your best out, rather than expecting him to be a four-time defensive end and a four-three or a four-time three-four linebacker right off the bat. He's got all the tools, though, and uh, he goes hard. He, he's not a loafer, uh, uh, effort guy. Does make plays, but just again, need to see more actual skill. Need to see more actual moves. A guy with his skill set should have at least one signature move, bar none. He probably should have two or three, uh, but at least he needs to be Shane Ray and have that, you know, speed rip move. And, and I just didn't see that consistently from him at all. And you would expect that a guy his size that can run like that, he's going to be running around everybody, but I just didn't see it. Yeah. Um, okay, here we go. I'm going to try this. <laughs> the kid from UCLA. Here we go. Uh, oh, yeah. Have fun with that. <laughs> uh, Omagbe Odigizua. Uh, double O. The kid from UCLA. Um, and, and we talked about hand moves and hand technique. I, you know, maybe him and Fowler are the two guys I like the most. You know, he's got a bull rush. He's got some hands. Uh, 6'3", 267. Um, to me, he's a pure pass rusher. I could see him. I mean, if you're running a hybrid defense, kind of a Fangio defense, this is your guy. What do you, what do you think of him? Um, I think he's still – I think he has a lot of upside. I'll put it that way. I think the best of him we haven't seen yet because to me it seems like he's still kind of learning as he goes along. He's not Ezekiel answer, but watching film – he kind of reminded me of him because it seems like almost every game it seemed like he would start off kind of slow, and then by the end of the game he was balling like he worked his way into it and was figuring stuff out as he went along. I'm not even sure how long he's been playing football, but it appears to me he's got all the physical tools, uh, good technique. I kind of thought he could be a, he would have been a little bit more productive than he was, but he was still a very good defensive end in college. So. Um, I do think he's going to need a good defensive line coach with him. I do think he's probably more suited to a one-gap defense than a two-gap defense. But at the same time, he's a big, strong kid. Uh, he uses his hands well, gets full extension. And uh, I can see a team probably taking a chance on him the back end of the first round, yeah. early second round. He's not, you know, he's not that big-time pass rusher yet, in my opinion. But he could be. He played uh, four seasons uh, in high school, so yeah, he's played a long time. That's, that's interesting. He, 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 when I watched him play, it seemed like he was filling the way around it. And 
seemed like every game, by the end of the game, he was playing much better than he played at the beginning of the game. Huh. It's just weird to me. Yeah. Uh, with ends, and we talked about multi-gap guys, and this is not a quick twitch guy, uh, Preston Smith from Mississippi State, 6'5", 271. Um, I think he's more maybe a Chris Long style five tech, but not with Chris Long's speed. But he's that you know the, the strong side and the run stopping end. But the interesting thing about him is that they would put him at uh, uh, one gap nose. I've seen him play three. He can kind of do everything well, and I think he's got enough base technique to do everything well, as opposed to just going in and oh, uh, he sort of does everything, but he doesn't do any of it. In, in, a, in a really effective way. Um, what are your thoughts on Preston Smith? I actually haven't broken him down yet. Uh, I haven't actually located any film on him yet either. That's oh. one of the things about doing this stuff. And, you know, I'm still on uh, breaking guys down on the game film rather than the All-22, so I'm trying to get to the All-22. Mm-hmm. But I haven't actually watched him other than to watch him as a fan. And I actually did a write-up um, recently, where I, I was talking about one prospect who I was high on before I watched the the, the the tape, and that's why I'm so leery of kind of giving my opinion on guys because it's so much difference, so much of a difference when you're watching a game as a fan and you're kind of watching the whole thing and you see a guy and you think that guy's playing well and you actually focus in on him the whole game yeah. because you see so many things that you never noticed before. So I'd be hesitant to kind of comment. I think he's a good player, but I need to kind of research him a little bit more. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be interested to know your thoughts because um, he, you know, again, a credible, uh, not a, I mean, he's not going to just explode off the snap. That's not who he is. But a credible end and a credible one-gap nose tackle and passing downs, you don't see that very much. I'm not saying he's not Michael Bennett because Michael Bennett could just play defensive end and go to the Pro Bowl. He's a you know he's on a different weird level, but uh, one, one of those versatile guys. Uh, Want to finish up with some outside linebackers and to me Dante Fowler from Florida. I, I remember, yeah, there are certain guys who, oh, God, the kid from North Carolina, uh, Quentin Copels. I remember writing him up a few years ago and just thinking, why are you putting him here? Why are you putting him here? He's not <laughs> built for this. He's not built for that. They would put Copels at, you know, no shade. Like, he's getting enveloped and just greased. I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? And I'm not saying that Fowler can't play multiple positions, but to me, I mean, 6'3", 261, I mean, damned impressive. You know, better technique than most of these other guys, but I'll see him just get wiped out inside, and I think, to use your parlance, I think it was an example of him just getting too cute as a multi-gap guy. I think you put him on the edge and just let him go. Absolutely. Uh, They were trying to showcase him, I think, uh, to a certain extent, because that's that's the only reason I could come up with. Uh, Schematically, it didn't really make a lot of sense, some of the stuff they was doing, throwing him in there for all these A-gap blitzes and stuff like that. Uh, but, but you see him, uh, when he's given the opportunity to just rush from the outside, you see what he can do. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how he develops as a pass rusher because he got uh, physically all the tools, he knows how to turn the corner. I'd like to see him get a little bit sharper with his his, his, his uh, hands on his pass rush moves and stuff like that, but he 
Tech to remind me of uh, the kid out of Houston, Anthony Barr. The kid out of UCLA. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Vikings uh, drafted last year. Yeah. Um, and that that's kind of the way UCLA did with Barr. They didn't really have him moving all over the place, but they didn't have him pass rushing all the time, which I thought was crazy. But you saw when he got to the Vikings and he had a coach that knew what to do with him, play linebacker on rundowns, and then he's sticking down there defensively and on passing down. I don't think you need to do that with foul. I think you just need to leave him in a position to rush the passer all the time. I think he's going to actually just explode. But whatever team does that, does that, he's going to explode for them because they just had him doing too much stuff before yeah, I remember uh, it was Cassius Marsh and Barr. I think it was usually on the defensive right side. And in passing downs, they'd have Marsh as the rush end, which Marsh can do sort of well. And they'd put Barr out in, like, the slot. And you just go, right. okay. Right, it made no sense to me. Uh, and I think to myself, well, I didn't play professional football. I've never coached. I'm not qualified to say what the hell are you doing, but what the hell are you doing? <laughs> sometimes you have I mean to... sometimes stuff, stuff is obvious you don't have to do it you know, he's just like this doesn't make any common sense and it never did yeah um Vic Beasley another you know 6'3 246 not gonna blow you away with power but a, a lot of buzz here um is he I mean is he an long arms really active player is he an every down guy or is he more situational to you I'm sorry, who are you asking? Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley? I, I thought that's what you said. I, I have a huge man crush on Vic Beasley. <laughs> to be with you. I know that I have him rated higher than a lot of people. I, I don't really care. This, this kid, his get-off, man, is so phenomenal. And I think um, I saw some people talking about this online, and, and I tried my best not to actually jump into the, the arguments and stuff anymore on Twitter. It's just not very productive usually. But they were kind of arguing about his get off and other guys get off and whether they were cheating and stuff and stuff like that. But you you know when a guy's actually getting off on the ball or getting off on the key and whether they're just guessing. Number one, they're going to get a whole bunch of offsides. I don't think he jumped offsides in five games I watched of him. And, and that's something phenomenal for a college player, especially a guy that relies on his speed works as much as Vic Beasley does. But when he did get off the ball, he smoked everybody. He, mm-hmm. he just you couldn't stop him around the corner, basically. And and the thing I loved about him as well was he's a physically gifted kid. You know, he he runs fast, jump high, all that good stuff too. He actually does have good size, which it doesn't always look like on film. He actually is a legitimate six three. It was two forty five, two forty six at the combine. Can put on weight, obviously, but I mean he has great technique as well when he's rushing the passer and. He's, he's, he's just an athlete. He, he understands football. You see some guys, man, they can do the talk board stuff you tell them to do, right? But if there's ever a situation where they kind of have to improvise on the run, they have a brain fart. They just kind of stop or start looking around, where am I supposed to go? This kid just naturally adapted whenever something comes up. You see a half roll coming. A lot of guys get stuck on the block. He's getting off the block, still trying to get to the quarterback. And so... For me, now I just think he's going to start from day one. I don't really think it matters what scheme you put him in. He's not some big-time run stopper. We know that, and that's fine. Uh, he's a poor man's Vaughn Miller, uh-huh. in my estimation. He is one of those guys that's athletic enough to get the dip and rip and really bend. Now, 
very few guys can 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 be like Vaughn because Vaughn is damn little rubber band man. Sometimes I see him rushing, and it looks like he's going to tear every ligament in his body, and he still comes out the other side against the quarterback. So I'm not saying he's Vaughn Miller, but I think he can have that kind of impact early on in the right situation. Yeah. Uh, Eli Harold from Virginia. And this was another guy I just expected to be more dynamic. And it's one, you know, you hear about guys and you hear about guys and you finally watch the tape. Um, a few of my notes, few hand moves to speak of, uh, isn't always dynamic with his feet, needs to push more with his lower body, engages too often when he should be disrupting, uh, could stand to be quicker off the edge, played inside at a weak side end, and had real trouble with double teams from a strength perspective. Unspectacular against the runs, will overrun plays. Um, wants to bulk up from 247 to 255, which may take a bit of his speed away. Um, my comp was Chad Greenway, and with Harold, I'm just not sure what to think yet. I, I don't know how much of it is technique and how much of it is low ceiling. Uh, it, it's hard to say. It, it's almost like he picked the spot, right? Because yeah. he will be mediocre as a pass rusher most of the game, and all of a sudden he'd explode around the corner and get a sack. Yeah. I literally would be like, what just happened? Watching the film because I'm watching play off the play. He's not really doing anything spectacular. Kind of just a guy. And then all of a sudden he explodes off the ball and gets to the quarterback. So he's a tall, rangy guy. Uh, kind of the long arms and stuff like that. You want him to be better technique-wise. I think, just to be honest with you, I think all he wanted to do was rush the pass. Mm-hmm. He, he kind of gave me that vibe when I watched the film. He wasn't really about that whole first and second down life. He was always trying to get the third down. And I understand, as a, as a defensive lineman work this out, you want to rush the pass, but you got to do the other stuff too in the meanwhile. So uh, I, I'm not really sold on the kid. He can definitely make plays. He made a lot of them this past year. But I don't know that he actually transitions well to the NFL, at least initially. He's going to pick up, have to pick up a little bit better motor, for one, and a lot better use of his hands, yeah. especially against the run. Yeah, he uh, he he kind of he, he clocked in and then he clocked out at times. Um, finishing up, and thank you so much again for your time. Any guys we have not talked about that you'd like to mention at any position? One guy, mm-hmm. and again, this is a guy I know I probably have rated a little bit higher than some other folks. Is Trey Flowers, and oh. Trey Flowers. He's an interesting kid. He's out of uh, Arkansas, defensive end. Yep. Um, not real tall, 6'2", about 266 or so. Um, but this dude, man, he, he understands how to power rush without having to bull rush all the time. And it's rare that you see a college kid doing that. He knows how to do a long arm. He knows how to get off a of bull rush and rip off an arm over, what have you. Doesn't always look pretty. I think that kind of turns some people off because he's he's more of a mauler. He's not that finesse guy that's going to run and get around guys. Uh, I think he probably ran like a, a four nine or so. Four nine, but, yeah. But as far as knowing how to engage and disengage on pass rushes, I really like what I saw from him. But I think he can. He won't be a first round pick or anything like that. But I think. If a team, a 4-3 team, needs a left defensive end, you could do a lot worse than Trey Flowers in, say, the second or third round. 
Well, uh, you had said earlier that uh, we agree on most things, and we're going to end with a disagreement because I'll, 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 I wrote them up uh, for for the SI the, the three hundred, and I'll just give you a few of the things I liked and some stuff I didn't, and I'll give you my pro comparison. And the pro comparison scared the hell out of me. Uh, most obvious attribute is his field speed for his size shows good recognition to back off the block and get into the open field. Uh, short and intermediate coverage well, which is a trait that could be expanded upon. Uh, quick and decisive angle to the ball carrier when there's an opening. At times, we'll peel off blocks and make impressive run stops. My problems tend to sift through the line too often without explosive meet, speed or dominant hand moves. Can be blocked out to the edge pretty easily for his size. That really bothers me. Diagnosis running plays well but finds it difficult to press through blocks and doesn't always finish. More reactive than proactive with the snap. And I, I know that that's always, it could be scheme. Because I remember when they had Ndamukong Su mush rushing in his uh, penultimate year at Nebraska, and you're just like, okay, what the hell is that? Um, I don't think he's scheme transcendent due to his size. Probably limited to 4-3 DE or 3-4 OLB. Isn't yet quick enough for the latter. Could be a rotational player from multiple gaps. The guy I compared him to was Bjorn Werner. Because I remember watching Tank Carradine and Bjorn Werner at Florida State, and everyone's telling me, Bjorn Werner this and Bjorn Werner that. I'm like, I don't see it. And with Flowers, I just don't see it. problem and I, I saw him the same way and it's why I, I think you can seal the edge against him too consistently and too well and if you're going to be a run stopping defensive end that can't happen that just can't happen right. you got to beat that but that's you know um, it's a differing opinion and you're bigger than me so you know <laughs> Yeah, me too. Um, it's it's you know, get ready for the summer and all that. Well, Stephen White from SB Nation, former NFL defensive lineman. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This has been great. Thanks so much for having.